0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Thanks for being with us. With me in the KFG studios, as always, my business
0: partners and friends and fellow certified financial planners, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, good to be with you, Mike. We're talking today about protecting your financial life from the unfortunate circumstance of needing long-term care. Services like home care or being in a nursing home, and it's all getting more confusing. So, we're going to help you understand your options and what the wise approach is on this episode. That's right. That's right. We're
1: actually going to hit several big topics, all questions from you. If you have a question, you can reach out to us a few different ways and submit that. We'd love to discuss it on an upcoming program. Wise Money Radio. Dot com is how you find us online. You can submit a question that way. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Lastly, you can connect with the show. You can submit questions as well all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. Find us that way. Follow, connect, like, share, all that sort of stuff. Like Kevin said, we are kicking off this week's show with a question from Sam. Sam is 61. Lives in New Carlisle. Says, my wife is talking to someone about long-term care insurance, but I'm concerned about the cost. Is long-term care insurance really necessary? And if so, is there a cheaper
2: price that I can get it for? Good question. Uh, and, And good job for your wife actually initiating this process. I, I don't know if this idea was coming to her, if she sought it out or what, but uh, unfortunately it's not a topic that enough families look into early enough. Mm. And a, at least educating herself and then hopefully getting you involved, Sam, and uh, y- you know, just understanding what your options are. This is, this is an important part uh, of your transition towards retirement at age 61. Uh, it's not too early. And, you know, more and more, it it may actually start seeming a little bit on the late side at, at age 61 to be looking at long-term care insurance.
1: Fifteen years ago when I started in the business, I'd be curious about your answer here too, Kevin. It, the, the idea was always, well, you've got to make this decision. Even if your decision is to not transfer this risk, just live with it, not buy any insurance, you had to make the decision, oh, between 60 and 65. And now it's... If you haven't made the decision by 60, it it might be cost prohibitive and and you're, or might start looking that way. And Mm -hmm. so therefore your options,
0: you you might not have as many options.
1: What was your perspective?
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I personally uh, bought long-term care when I was 42 years old. And that was a function of just seeing a guy, seeing actually a number of people need long-term care, because when you look at what are you protecting, when you're young and you don't have any assets, you just have income, you want to protect your income. And the way to protect your income is to use disability insurance. But once you accumulate some assets, if you want to protect your assets then you look at long-term care insurance. That's It's it's a risk management decision. So I either live with the risk or I transfer the risk. If I live with the risk, that basically what I need to do is pile up as big of a pile of money as I can and then say, hey, uh, the reason why we're piling up this money is to pay for potential long-term care costs. Uh, the, the Fidelity study comes out every year it's it 's kind of famous it 's cited and it says uh, you know sixty five year old couple retiring this year will need two hundred and eighty thousand dollars to cover health care and medical expenses throughout retirement that 's just the medical side that 's not the long term care and everything else hmm. potential so when you when you look at this and you say, "Well, um, what should I be preparing for?" It, it's hard when the the sun is shining and the birds are chirping to think, well, I'm going to need to protect myself from this thing. And um, but I, I look at that and I say, no, if you're, if you're doing comprehensive financial planning and looking at the six areas, you want to make a decision on this. And, and for my in my humble opinion, you want to make that decision as soon as you can. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. N- none of us know how long we're going to enjoy good health. Right. right? We're, we're all probably going to experience some sort of a health decline unless we have a sudden end to life, mm-hmm. an unexpected one. Uh, the, the question is, is it going to be a long, drawn-out process that uh, causes you to lose some of your independence and require more and more of these types of services when you get further into, into retirement? And how will you solve that potential problem is the question. If you don't have an endless supply of money to just hire that work done, uh, then you're you're counting on other people in your life to maybe help out in, in some way. So you either need to have a really big family, really big income, maybe really big resources or assets, or you need to have a really big defense in the form of insurance, like what we're talking about today.
1: And well, let's level the playing field, though. So you might say, well, at that stage, I'm going to be on Medicare, so I, and I'll have a supplement, so I'm good. No Medicare health insurance does not does not cover this. I actually met with a some clients this week, uh, and an older couple and their son comes in, who's also a friend and client, and unbeknownst to me, she had just spent. A hundred days at a nursing home, a rehab facility, as she was calling it, and and was just discharged the week before from um, from a couple of issues, um, and and I don't need to get into it, but but I said, oh, is she doing better? Are, you know, are you doing better, or is this, um, or were you discharged for another reason? I wasn't asking that question intentionally, and they said, well, no, yeah, it, our hundred days was up with with Medicare, and so we had to leave. Well, you didn't have to leave. In fact, the husband now who is gonna be taking care of her, he isn't very his his health is not great. Let's just say that. And so we had to have a very honest discussion about what your what their care needs were and who was gonna provide them. Because Medicare and a Medicare supplement does not cover this. Normal health insurance does not cover this. So going back to Sam's question, do you really need long term care insurance? Well, you first we started with is this a risk worth protecting against? And if so, do you wanna transfer that? If you do, you can't transfer it to your health insurance. Your health insurance does not pick this up. To me, if you are transferring this risk, the very best way to transfer it is using long-term care insurance. There are other hybrid options that we can talk about, but if you're just trying to protect against this specific risk, long-term care insurance
0: is the best option if you can qualify and if you can get it. And that's why it makes sense. I mean, the, the question is, well, when should I get it? And I've had folks ask that question and say, "Well, I'd be I'd be better off waiting five more years and and then getting it." And I say, "Well, that's great as long as you know what your health is going to be in five years. You're not going to have the, your first incident." Whatever that might be, you know, a heart issue, uh, you know, mild strokes and symptoms. Arthritis,
1: though, or shoulder pain, or knee pain, or hip pain. I mean, when it comes to long term care insurance, I don't know about you guys, but I have seen that it's harder to qualify than life insurance, and you're easily rated lower. (laughs) <laughs> with long term care insurance than with life insurance because there are just so it's it's a broader spectrum of things that could happen to you where you could file a claim that's my that's my experience
2: this week alone i've had two clients come in and share with me a new diagnosis in their 50s one was rheumatoid arthritis, and the other one was uh, early onset of Parkinson's. Mm. And they're starting immediately with therapy, and they're going to you know, try to fight the progression of each of these two uh, diseases. But ultimately, they are no longer really insurable, right? right. The likelihood of them needing this type of care down the road has gone up significantly. And so it's something that even, you know, here here they are in their 50s, finding out that they are no longer insurable. So to wait that five more years, as Kevin mm-hmm. was saying, you may have just waited too long, yeah. unfortunately. I'm working with someone who recently turned
1: 60 and was diagnosed five years ago. And so, right, and, and didn't buy long-term care insurance before that point. And so we are- And we're scrambling with with some options to to see what to do. What are the features of long-term care? What are some of the benefits? And then, what are some of the alternatives? I don't know about you guys, but I've had several people, more than usual, as we start talking about this risk, say, Oh yeah, I heard. I've talked to another financial advisor, or professional. Is is that the type of insurance where I need to put a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars into it, and then I just I just wait, and and there's this really big upfront cost, and say, well, that's not exactly the one I'm talking about. I'll tell you what that is. Plus, we've got several other questions to hit. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Do you need long-term care insurance? Is it worth the price? The price is going up. Is that what you should focus on? Do you even need it? We're talking about that today. Great question from Sam. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory and Kevin Corhorn Thank you, as always, to the great attorneys at Ladue, Kern, and Keene. Thank you very much, as well as First Day Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. If you have any questions, we're just hitting questions today. So if you have some, reach out to us. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And lastly, all of our social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Every episode on the YouTube channel if you wanna connect with us that way and you can submit questions there as well. All right, let me just recap here. We've got a little bit more to hit. Sam is 61, he's from New Carlisle. Said his wife has been talking to someone about long-term care insurance, but he's concerned about the cost. Is it really necessary? And can you get it for a cheaper price? There's a couple other just basics that we need to hit here. We told you that health insurance is designed to get you well. And so it doesn't cover long-term care services. So, what types of things does long-term care uh, long-term care insurance cover? What What are the basics of that coverage? Josh or Kevin, can you?
2: Everyone used to think of long-term care insurance as nursing home coverage. In fact, I, I think it was even called that back in the day. But uh, more and more policies started introducing. Um, more of a continuum of care. Not everybody needs to go from their house directly to a nursing home. Sometimes uh, a, an assisted living facility where there's more of a, an apartment-type lifestyle and certain support that you get along the way could be an option. Or just having the care come into your home. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, in my opinion, that would be what I would prefer. Absolutely. Right? But... That you know, an interesting survey I just uh, stumbled upon that said that uh, thirty only thirty nine percent of people know what their relatives' preferences on long term care would be. So sixty one percent don't actually know what their family members would prefer here.
1: That's that's lower than I I I I would have expected
2: fewer people to know what their preferences what their family members preferences are so it's a conversation that families need to be having mm-hmm. right because it's not just the patient or the the senior the, the parents decision uh, I, I've had conversations with clients where this topic of long-term care insurance comes up and their response is, you know, uh, my family will take care of me. <laughs> and and I, I always ask them, well, well, do they know that, right? <laughs> is nope. that practical for where they're at in life today? And will it be practical for where they're at 10 years from now, maybe when you need need the care? So involve all the people who have a vested interest in this discussion because it's not just your choice. It's you and your spouse. It's you and your kids or other family members.
0: And that's, what, I mean, that's where assumptions kind of wreck all this stuff because you assume, well, hey, you know, our daughter lives close and she'll take care of me. Well, listen, if your wife isn't around... Your daughter might not want to change your diaper, and when you when you have cognitive issues, I mean, a lot of times there's continence issues that go with that. Well, there's anger issues as well, and
1: you you're concerned for your health that the person who you love and care for dearly and who loves you back mm-hmm. could could do something erratic,
0: and so there's so it is so the, the, to be able to care for someone. It is, it is a special gifting, and so you just assume, well, hey, this person can care for me. And there's a huge difference for caring for someone versus taking care of, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I, I'll drive by the house once a week and make sure the grass looks like it's mowed and make sure that the mailbox isn't piling up with mail. That's one level of care. But to um, – you know, I was just talking with a family where they are – every. The, the three of them are going over, um, and they, they cover every night with mom. Mm-hmm. E- every night gets covered. And so you think, man, that is a heavy commitment. Yeah, you, you talk to someone who's been a primary caregiver
2: for a long, long time, and I mean, you can see it on their face. I mean, it has weighed them down. In fact, there are uh, some studies that have shown that if you are a caregiver for over 36 hours per week, you are six times more likely to deal with depression if you're caring for a spouse. It's two times as likely to be facing depression if it's for a parent. Wow. So this comes at a heavy cost to the caregiver and I, I don't think you should flippantly just say, hey, that's what family is for. You You may be right and that may be a value that is truly embedded within your family, but consider the cost. And that's why maybe having long-term care insurance puts you in a position where you can supplement that care from your family members by having a professional come in and give some relief periodically or a certain number of hours per day will be covered by someone coming in that is, uh, you know, paid for their, their services. One of
1: the biggest advantages I've seen with having long-term care insurance, we talked about a little bit in some bonus content on that you can find on YouTube, is that you're more if you have the insurance you're more likely to get care as soon as you need it from from a professional where in my experience both in my family as well as you know seen vicariously through clients and friends you delay hiring a professional as long as possible and i'd argue and if you've done this you'd probably agree beyond the point that you should yeah. and which endangers everyone and and doesn't provide the right care for the person who
0: really needs it right and there are long-term care policies that one of the features is they they will pay actually they'll pay family members to provide care Mm -hmm. because the insurance company has a huge incentive to keep you in your home most people want to stay in their home they have an incentive to keep you in your home because the costs are just it's much more cost-effective to do so
1: so let's let's just put the wraps on this a little bit when you're buying long-term care insurance you're buying insurance that just covers that risk. Oh wait, so you mean I could pay on this thing forever and if I don't use it, it's just gone? Yep, just like your house insurance. That's that's exactly right. And um, But it's going to protect this risk better than any other policy because you buy a daily benefit amount, that can be used to pay for your home health care or your nursing home or assisted living. You buy, and and most of you should buy an inflation rider on that because the inflation of these costs are outrageous and the fact that you probably won't use the insurance for 20 to 25 years after you purchase it. And then you'll buy, you'll, you'll have a feature called an elimination period, which is how much time will are you willing to pay? pay the bill before the insurance company steps in. Think of that like a deductible. And then you'll have a a time limit, a term. So will the insurance last for three years or four years or five years or two years? You get to pick that. All of those bake into the price. If you live in Indiana, though, you also need to consider making sure that you get a policy that has Indiana partnership availability to it if you buy certain features, you can have your total assets protection protected. That's a concept that we'll go deep on in another program. But even if you buy less than that required amount, you'll still get dollar for dollar asset protection if your insurance is used up. So make sure you've got the right features. Let's just spend a couple more minutes on this because are there other options? That's the, last, that's the last part of Sam's question. Are there other options besides long-term, besides long-term care insurance? And I can think of two where you're actually willing, you want to transfer some of this risk. And they're hybrid policies. The most common is a hybrid life insurance policy mm-hmm. where you are buying life insurance that allows you to use the death benefit if you need care. The problem is there's no inflation with that. So you're buying life insurance at a set dollar amount and that life insurance doesn't increase. And so you're sort of locked in there. And then the other one is you could buy an annuity that pays out an extra amount if you need long-term care.
2: That's right. The, the, The issue with the life insurance though is you're depleting resources that would have otherwise gone to family members. And on, on the annuity, um, you have to be in an actual payout mode on that annuity for it to increase temporarily the amount of income that you get so basically those annuities are essentially a retirement income solution and some of them will have a special uh, rider extra bells and whistles that give you the ability to enhance that income if you have a long-term care event but again doesn't last forever this is a limited pool of dollars and it may not be enough to cover the need for you
1: there are trade-offs with them so so if you look at those and say oh well I can I can guarantee that I'll get something out of it no there's trade-offs so Talk to your certified financial planner in the context of a comprehensive financial plan to make sure you're picking what's best for you. A couple weeks ago, we had insurance expert Leanne Davis on the show talking about home and auto insurance. Here's a question. Do you need an umbrella policy? We've got that answer and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Do you need an umbrella policy for your home and auto insurance? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll let you know here in just a second. Thanks for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike here in the KH2 studios with Kevin and Josh. Thank you very much. Thank you also, Bethel College, soon to be Bethel University, Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the Inspired team at Remax 100 for making The Wise Money Show possible. We've been talking about Sam's question. We're about to hit a great question from Mark. If you have any questions, reach out to us. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com and social media. Just search Wise Money Radio. All right, wrapping up Sam's question about long-term care. We had a discussion just a moment ago about... How does Medicaid fit into all of this? And you might've been thinking that. You might've been listening patiently to the entire show thinking we're crazy because you'll just use Medicaid. Not so fast. There are some options where you can leverage some of the laws and loopholes to transfer assets and so on and apply for for Medicaid. But that's dangerous business and very tricky with a lot of consequences. You've got to do it very meticulously. So if you're interested in more, we'll talk about it on an upcoming show, but I'd also refer you back to an episode that we did with elder law attorney, Michael Murphy. He was on the program. It was season three. I don't have the exact, um, the exact number, but you can search and find it. We'll be talking about it on an upcoming show. Just don't think that that is the holy grail. That's the easy, perfect solution. There's always drawbacks, always huge trade-offs and it's not nearly as easy as you think.
2: And number one trade-off being, you don't have options on where your care is provided. You have to be in a nursing home, specifically in a nursing home that accepts Medicaid for for that care to be provided by the the states. That is the exact opposite of what this show is about. We don't want you to get backed into a corner and have Medicaid be your only last-ditch effort. Instead, if you are proactive on this topic of long-term care and recognize that it may be a need in your retirement then you can plan ahead. You can purchase long-term care insurance or come up with your game plan so that you have freedom when you're in retirement. You have control over what your care is going to be. Choices, options, freedom. Those are the types of words that we want you to be describing your retirement with, not, you know what, we were able to preserve and protect some money that went to the kids, and I had to you know accept Medicaid as my only choice because I didn't plan ahead on this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these these Medicaid facilities, they—I I think of the the four-letter word that they use. Um, that when they, what do they dread the most? Careful now, Kevin. Yeah. The four-letter word is <laughs> roommate. Oh. So think of all those amazing <laughs> roommates that you've had and think your your final days, years, whatever, you go and you have a roommate. And- Josh, Josh, Kevin, and I travel a decent amount for <laughs> conferences and whatnot,
1: and I tell you, you guys are... Let's say some interesting roommates. We can tell some
0: stories. Yep. So two thousand eight. <laughs> Albany, right. New York. Yeah. It was raining outside In, and inside. inside. <laughs> On my head. Josh Gregory. Sleepwalks. <laughs> Sleep talks. My goodness.
1: All right. Mark. He is 56 from Osceola. Here's what he asked. A friend of mine told me that he has an umbrella policy and and he said I needed one too. My insurance agent has never brought this up to me before, so I'm not really sure how it works and really if I do need it. Can you guys help? Great question. Umbrella policies, wouldn't you say over the past 10 years are probably becoming more well known,
2: more common, but still not nearly common enough? What's At surprising. least over the past three years of this show, right? right we've been right. talking about them and we've been recommending them to clients for for so long because it is an important type of insurance for protecting against those types of events that could, that they have the power to unravel your financial life. And we're talking about things that are, are, are accidents that you cause either by something you do or fail to do. You know, you slide through that wrong stop sign and hit the wrong person, and someone's injured or worse. Uh, how do you bounce back when people get hurt? Mm. You know, the the cost is, you know, I I don't know how you put a cap on that cost. If I wreck your car, there's a cap on that. The car is only worth so much. I I know that there's a limit to the damages that I've done. But when you damage a person or a group of people. Wow! Watch out. And so, an umbrella policy is what protects you against the lawsuits that could come your way, um, e- even uh, because of an event that you just—it maybe felt like it was out of your control, but you caused it. Shortly
1: after we started our own insurance agency here, as as certified financial planners doing comprehensive financial planning, we write the prescriptions. We, we look at, from a high level, at your entire financial life, see how all six areas fit together and make recommendations on that. And then so often, it's just, you know, people prefer, hey, can I fill this prescription here? Can you guys just do this for me? And so we do. We, we've built out a lot of services to implement that advice. And so 2006, we started our insurance agency, and I think Kevin... Two thousand eight, I think it was. Yeah, Mm it's just two years later. We'd been um, serving an individual, a friend of ours. He Mm -hmm. became a friend. He'd walk through the halls like he worked (laughs) here, and would yell at us. He'd yell at me and give me a hard time about stuff, and just a great guy. And um, he had his insurance with a very well-known company, um, and had. Very very low limits, basic limits. Actually, the same limits that I had when I got my license when I was 16, and I'm I'm not 16 anymore. And a lot of people are actually still driving around with those limits: 100, 300, 100,000 for just one person for liability reasons, and then it's a cap at 300,000 for the for the entire incident. And so that's what he had. But the problem is, good income, own a couple businesses, kids, married. Uh, The swimming pool. Lots, lots of things going on. And so Kevin was very persistent and said, hey, we need to help you. You need to get better. And he just kept saying, no, no, no. And somehow Kevin caught him on the right day. And he finally said, all right, I'm, I'm willing to listen. And Kevin said, listen, here's your coverage. It's far, far inadequate for your needs. This is what you need. You need a half million dollar coverage for bodily injury. And then a million dollar umbrella on top of that. And it was less than six months later. He's driving from one of his businesses to another or from home to one of the businesses, I don't know. Stop to the stop sign, four way stop, starts going through and a 28 year old, I believe pat, uh, runs the stop sign going the other way and he dies. And financial planning and this approach and this umbrella policy, Meant that the 28-year-old didn't have enough insurance, and so his policy steps in. You need to you need to recognize that, and so 1.5 million dollars was paid out as opposed to a hundred thousand. Fifteen
0: times, fifteen times what he would have had, and the 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 cost was incremental. It was barely more. Mm-hmm. But again, I said. They had a swimming pool. Why does that matter? Because when someone dives in your swimming pool in the shallow end and they're not supposed to be diving and they hit their head and they're paralyzed... Um, that's, a, that's a tragedy, and th- the only thing that could make it worse is if it's a financial tragedy forever. Yeah. So we've had two umbrella policies since 2006 that have paid out the full million. The underlying insurance is that's the expensive part. The, the million, the extra that you lay, layer over top of it, that is, that, that is fairly reasonable. It, it, a be, couple hundred bucks a year. A couple year. hundred bucks. It becomes more if you have a couple of houses, several cars, and a number of toys that you're covering. But again, if you have that stuff, you should be wearing a belt and suspenders, especially if you have a name where if you're in an accident, you, you have a recognizable name, you're a target. Mm -hmm. So I say, well, just just protect yourself. Think of uh, one of our – so here's a little trivia. I'm sure, because we've talked about this before, I'm sure you know it. Uh, uh, A Either current or former president who's used his umbrella policy. Do you guys have it?
1: Um, I think I that. President uh, Bill Clinton got in some trouble a while back. Yeah, oh. President Bill Clinton
0: it was. Yeah. He had two um, different um, umbrella policies. I'm, I'm reading an article from 1996. Uh, I don't think you guys were born in 1996. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> yes, we were. That's, radio <laughs> listeners, that's, that's not true. <laughs> but anyway, um, he, he had some issues uh, with a friend, Paula Jones, yep. and so his his umbrella policies stepped in and paid legal bills and settlements and other things so it mm-hmm. it protects you i mean we th- it's easiest to think in terms of car accidents but there are other that's right that's right make that decision in the context of your financial plan
1: with your certified financial planner we've got more questions coming up here on wise money with Corehorn financial group
0: This is Wise
1: Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Okay, so you've got an umbrella policy, but does it have all the right coverages? We're going to tell you that in just a second. Thanks for tuning in. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group and the KFG Studios Thanks for listening. This is Wise Money. Uh, here with me in the studio, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory. My name is Mike. If you've missed anything, boy, you can catch up on this episode and all the previous ones in a few different ways. Every episode's on podcast. I have several people who have told me they binge listen as they are driving around or doing some yard work or whatever, raking leaves this time of year. You can find this podcast on podcast. Wherever you listen to your podcast, just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. You can also watch every episode, and there's bonus content usually because we just let the camera roll right through breaks and so on, and we're talking about different things. And so, find us online on YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. And lastly, every episode's also on the website, find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Okay, we are just finishing up a question about... Do you need an umbrella policy? We've talked about it. It's a question from Marks fifty six in Osceola, and there's if if you do, you need to make sure that you get the right coverages on there. Kevin, can you explain what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't say if you do. I'm I'm just going to say if you are listening today, you need an umbrella policy. I'm just going to go go out on a limb and say that. And then you want your umbrella policy to work in conjunction with your underlying limits so the basic limits that you would have on your home and auto you want to make sure that the liability limits are sufficient there and then you layer the umbrella policy over the top and one of the important things so the, the, when you think of a range like what's a range it somewhere between 120 bucks and 500 bucks a year for an umbrella policy and if it's if it's 120 bucks it's a year or close to that, it's very likely that it does not include Uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage,
1: which is half the value. It is it, that is you have to have it. Yeah,
0: and I'm going to say it's all the value because the the folks that we're yeah. that we are um, serving, for the most part, they're not the ones that cause the accidents, but they're in they're certainly in lots of them, and so I basically what you're doing is you're saying hey, by having this and having the uninsured underinsured, I'm protect I have this insurance that covers my, my whole uh, net worth and nest egg and everything else. But I'm also protecting against the other driver who is uninsured or underinsured, which means they got insurance. They, got, they bought a car. They got insurance for 30 days, didn't pay another premium payment. They're driving around without insurance.
1: Do you think? Here's the question: Do you think someone that would choose to make that lifestyle choice is more likely to be a reckless driver?
0: Statistically, yes. Sure, yeah, sure. And so, that's and that is why the 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 their insurance costs are so much higher. Right. because yeah. they're, it's the it's the law of large numbers, and those people are on one one side of the curve, and they if you if you have certain beha- that's why they look at your credit score mm. if you have a high credit score you pay less for your insurance and they they make a correlation between people with a high credit score and good, safe drivers. That's right. That's not our idea. You know, my kids aren't old enough to drive, but I'm
2: already kind of thinking down the road. And uh, when they are youthful drivers and they are more likely statistically to cause an accident, I want to make sure that we've got adequate coverage to protect the other person. But really, my true motivation is making sure that if my kids are injured in an accident that someone else causes they're not old enough to be working and have things like disability insurance in place. They might not have enough life insurance for the rest of their life or anything. And I can't count on that other driver who maybe injures, injures one of my sons or daughter to have enough coverage to make them whole if they can't work the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and so this uninsured, underinsured motorist is not leaving it up to the other driver to have the right coverage. You're making sure you have adequate coverage. Your insurance will, co- your insurance company will come to your rescue
0: if they are not covered fully. Right, and especially in Michigan, which is a no-fault state, which means that it's a your-fault state. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where, <laughs> that's where you want to be wearing a belt and suspenders for your own self. I've. I've seen, I've heard from clients that
1: a company, you know, red and white colors um, said, well, the reason you don't have this is because it never pays out. We've never seen someone pay out. The story that I told in the last segment paid out on on an underinsured motorist.
0: I, Mm -hmm. I think that is malarkey. So you need you need this coverage. I know, and 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 arguing with the agent because I have and and I had some clients and I said, hey, you need an umbrella policy, and they said, um, no, we're probably okay, we're in good hands, and I said, no, um, I re- I really recommend this, and they said, well, we just talked to our agent. And I called the agent and who said, well, I've been in business for all these years, and they don't need that coverage. So there you go. Next question comes from Jen. She's
1: 42. This is interesting. She's, she lives in Edwards, Edwardsburg. What's your opinion on the age to start talking to your kids about money? In my house growing up, we never talked about money, so I had to learn a lot on my own. I'd like to do a better job with my kids, but don't want to start too early. That's interesting. I can't, can you start too early? No. No. You can't I start. No. You can't start too early. Easton is not even crawling yet. So do I? Do I lecture? Do
2: I? Well, actually, he he watches the show. Yeah, his first words are gonna be wise money?" <laughs> Why is money, Daddy?
1: Actually, by by the older two, we you know, we'd listen to it and they'd say, "Oh yeah, cool, this is Daddy." And now we listen to it and they're like, "Dad, no, we want." <laughs> <laughs> Teenage so I, Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, I, it, it, SpongeBob. if it's really early, they might
2: it might fall on deaf. Okay, ears. but if they're old enough to talk, they're old enough to walk, they're old enough to help out with some sort of chores. Giving them even you know little coins as um, uh, almost a paycheck can start to uh, teach them the lesson that money is earned, not given. Mm-hmm. And why not start that as soon as they can even understand that this is money? This, this little coin can buy me a gumball. Um, you know, to, to teach those types of lessons early on so that they never remember a day when you weren't already beginning to coach them and mentor them on how to manage money. I say you can't start too
0: early. maybe maybe your point about Easton is well taken but. No, it's well, it is interesting because when my children were little, um, their currency was candy. So uh, you know the the days and weeks after Halloween, they were negotiating and bartering and other things. But I think from the very beginning, because most folks, if you ask them, hey, did your you know what are your earliest memories about money and how did how did it go? Did your did your parents do a good job of explaining to you how money works and these things? Most folks would say no. Most folks would say, hey, I'm I'm the product of a public school education or even a private school education. And I wasn't really equipped. So this is something that you've got to own. It's, it's got to be your responsibility. There are folks like Dave Ramsey who have great curriculum to teach kids about money. I think one of the best ways to learn about money is to help your kids learn how to play the game Monopoly. Monopoly. Hmm. Because life is just one big monopoly game, and you're just going around the board, and you know, on every trip around the board, you want to improve your position. And if you use all your cash to buy properties, and you land on someone else's property, and you need cash, the bank will give you half of what you paid for it. I think this these to me the 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 thing that inspired and awoken the entrepreneurial drive within me was. learning and playing the game of Monopoly with my Wittenbach cousins. But you can't, (laughs) in real life, you can't go to jail just on chance. (laughs) <laughs> so, Or community chest or whatever
1: it is that doesn't send you to jail. Your your behavior sends you to jail.
2: I think the point, though, is being <laughs> intentional about what you're wanting your kids to learn while they're still in your home. So that when you launch them from the nest, they're leaving to become adults, and they have skills. They have experience. They have the right character to manage money well. Maturity. Yeah, mm-hmm. things like the habit of saving, how to buy things wisely teaching them that money can grow and how to grow it. And then just the the simple principle that your use of money reveals what your values are. And so be thoughtful about what you yeah. value and how you're going to direct these dollars. These are not things that they will pick up by accident. They need to have it demonstrated to them and they need to have it intentionally taught to them. And that doesn't mean you need to
1: expose your entire financial life to them early on or at all in order to teach them about money. It's more habits and instruction as though, or instead of revealing yourself. Okay, great, great questions. Um, That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn
0: Financial Group.